The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. If you're ever in the area, we'd love to have you stop by. Uh, Join us for Sunday morning worship service at 10.30 a.m. to 12 noon. We also live stream our service at www.cutemple.org. That's www.cutemple.org. We're in the midst right now of a series based upon the book, Discover the Power Within You by Eric Butterworth. And I'm teaching the book chapter by chapter. Obviously, I want you to take the time to really absorb this book. As I've said in previous shows or on previous shows, I believe that this book is a mandatory book for anyone that is a teacher, minister, or student of metaphysics, new thought, consciousness transformation, Christian metaphysics, etc. I think it's a masterpiece. I think it's one of the top five books in all of new thought and the quote unquote self-help genre. A lot of material has been taken from this book and put in to secular language and people don't realize it. This book is a masterpiece. Therefore, I want to make sure that everyone actually purchases or finds the book online. I don't care how you find it, just find it. And since I'm posting on the website, the chapters and I'm teaching it chapter by chapter I want everyone to read the chapters before I teach them because I'm not going to teach every line in the book that would would be very challenging um not that it's impossible it's just you know if I taught this book in great detail it would take at least one solid year with, and I mean all 52 weeks. If I really taught this book the way, at the level of detail I could teach it, it would take one solid year. I'm not doing that. So make sure that you find the book, Discover the Power Within You by Eric Butterworth, and get it. If you are just listening and tuning in, uh, get the book and start reading and catch up. I guarantee it will be worth your effort. Now, 
we're on chapter seven. Your thought is your life. And the chapter starts off with a quote from Charles Fillmore, the co-founder of Unity. The quote is, God's greatest gift to man is the power of thought through which he can incorporate into his consciousness the mind of God. Now, this is a powerful quote because just the first part of the sentence really tells us what's his, what what the basic concept of the value and power of thought is. It says God's greatest gift to us, humanity, man, he says man, but we would say humanity today, is the power of thought. You have the conscious ability to think, to change, to analyze, to conclude, to decide. You have the ability to think about what you've been thinking about. You have the ability to be aware of what you are aware of. Your thought is your life. And through the avenue of mind, we can tap into the higher awareness, this higher truth that is already within us. Now, the book goes on to say we are living in an age of discovery. Now, this book was written in 1968. So he had no idea of some of the things that we're seeing today in 2013. And he maybe made his transition maybe about eight years ago. He says a day rarely passes when the news media do not report the discovery of some new star or technique or cure or process. The pace of scientific and technological discovery is almost unbelievable. Yes. Think about it. You know, just think about how much technology has changed just in your lifetime. You know, phones, you know, many people don't have home phones anymore. They don't have rotary phones. You know, think about the original cell phones with suitcase and a battery to, you know, we have people now working on mobile watches that can, you know, you know, you can talk on or whatever. I, I mean, you know, we talked about, you know, things like, you know, t talking to people through your TV or through screens. And now we have things like Skyping and FaceTime. The things that we thought were science fiction 30 years ago are now fact. So we're in the process of always discovering some new technology. Now, Our technology, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, at times outpaces our morality, our ethics, our integrity. So what ends up happening is not only do we have the ability to totally change how people live for the positive, we've also in that uh, technological growth created ways in which we can blow up the world 100 times. So we have to make sure that our wisdom and understanding match our technological advances. So your thought is your life. Therefore, what we've been thinking about, obviously, we've been creating. And he basically says it in the last sentence on page 73. He says, locked within the superconsciousness of man are all the answers to all the problems and the secret of all mysteries that mankind will ever face. Now, I want you to get this. Locked within the superconsciousness of man, superconsciousness is the Christ mind, the higher awareness, divine mind in you, the mind of God in you, are the answers to all the problems. Well, we think our problem problems and the secret of all mysteries that mankind will ever face. Now, you can say, well, what does that mean? That means that the principle of aerodynamics always existed. But until there was a person whose mind could think on those things, it was not something that we benefited from because we had no awareness of it. The principle of flotation 
has always existed. But until people really started to understand what it means to create vessels that could travel across the water, people were limited to walking on land. The ideas for TV, for radio, for cable, for satellites, for cell phones, for computers, for all of these things have always existed as ideas. Waiting for a consciousness that can handle it. See, the thing about it is the mind has to be able to grasp ideas to be able to bridge them, even if they don't have the complete understanding, to be able to bridge them from the universal idea, spiritual side, let's just say, into an actual physical concept or mental concept. So within your mind is the answer to everything that you're going through right now. Locked in your own superconscious mind or locked within your own Christ mind or locked within the secret place of the most high within you or locked in the kingdom of heaven in you is the answer to all problems and the secret to all mysteries. That's why a person can pick up an idea. And they're the person who catches hold of it and then somebody else sees the idea and now that somebody else has caught hold of it and they've created a framework for it somebody else can take the idea further so the Wright brothers might have created the first airplane that only stayed off the ground for maybe about a minute but the principle was discovered and now we have space shuttles. It's a long way from propeller airplanes to jets to commercial airliners to space shuttles. But the idea was born. And once somebody had caught hold of the idea, it was someone was able to evolve it. Thomas Edison created, I believe, the direct current. But I can't remember the man's name who created the alternative current. And who was one of his students who did not want, who who Edison was basically saying, no, we need to do it the way I do it. He didn't realize that somebody could take the idea and evolve it. But your thought is your life. So once you open yourself up to the higher inspirations, once you're able to handle and, and work with an idea, the idea will start to unfold. Uh, the founder of Christ Universal Temple and the Universal Foundation for Better Living and the Johnny Coleman Institute, the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman, used to say, God's ideas come fully clothed. God's ideas come fully clothed. What did she mean? She meant that everything that is needed for the fulfillment of the idea is wrapped in the idea. In other words, when God's idea is seeking expression through you, within it is all that is needed to bring it forth. In other words, if you put it in the proper setting, which is the right type of mind, it knows what to do. It knows how to draw the experiences, the people or whatever. How? I can't explain it. But have I seen it work in my life and in others? Absolutely. That God never gives you the vision without the provision. But we have to be open to it and we have to be able to see how we work the idea. And sometimes it can be something that's really weird and you have to trust it. But I'm not telling you to trust it because I said it was weird. I'm saying you might qualify it as weird. Sort of similar to Joshua is going to siege the 
the uh, city of Jericho. Now, let me just qualify this by saying I don't believe in a God that picks people over other people and sends people to war against other people. I don't believe in that. I'm using this as an analogy because everybody's familiar with the story. And according to the story, he was told by the angel, march around the building for seven days silently. And on the seventh day, you know, with the priests and whatever, and the horns, and they would ho- blow the horns and shout, and the walls would come tunneling down. Now, if you're a military general, the last thing you want to hear about is how do I conquer a city by marching around the walls and shouting? But that's how it works. It could be something quirky like that. You might hear, you know, you know, you need to, you have a business idea and for whatever reason it's saying, go up and walk around, you know, up the street and back. And while you're walking down the street, you see a billboard on the side of a building that creates a thought process that connects you to an idea that's the answer to what you've been thinking about. It works like that. You might say, hey, um, I need to um, uh, go to the store and and get some cereal. And you just happen to just, you know what, I've never been in this store before, but you drive there and right then and there, you meet somebody that you went to school with who is the right connect to help you get the job or get the business deal or whatever. Or you might, you know, decide that, okay, I'm going to be at church today and I'm going to sit in the balcony. I always sit on the main floor. And when you do that, you sit next to somebody, your eyes meet. And next thing you know, you're getting married. You just don't know. The idea comes fully clothed. That's how it works. So why am I prefacing this? Because obviously this chapter has a lot of stuff. I'm like, get to the chapter, Reverend McDowell, because I wanted to prep this for you to understand that out of all of the stuff that's in this chapter, if you missed this little sentence, you missed a lot. Locked within the super consciousness of man are the answers to all the problems and the secret of all mysteries that mankind will ever face. So, The question is this, how do I unlock my superconscious mind? How do I unlock my Christ mind? Now, you got to realize, God didn't lock it. You did. And I don't mean lock literally. What I mean by that is where our attention goes, the power flows. We don't focus on the things of spirit. And, And so since we don't focus on the things of spirit, through lack of use, we're not used to communicating properly with our higher inspiration, our higher intelligence, our higher knowledge, our higher wisdom. So how do you unlock the secrets? How do you unlock the answers? Learning to consistently, the word is consistently, pray and meditate. You have to take time every day To be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46.10, by the way. Stopping and then once you do it. Now, people think when you're doing the prayer and meditation that bells and whistles are supposed to go off. No, it doesn't necessarily happen like that. But then if you keep a pen and pad by you, it might come. You might come while you're driving to work and the ideas start to flood your mind. Images might start to flood your mind. I also would say studying material that makes, excuse me, that will make you stretch. In other words, if you're reading and listening to stuff that doesn't challenge your current level of thinking, then you won't push yourself for the deeper answers. So I always tell people prayer, meditation, and A study life that forces you to stretch is the best way or the best ways to tap into that higher awareness. Uh, We're coming up on our first break, so we'll be right back with Truth Transforms.
As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. to be? It's a question we all ponder from time to time. Reverend Kelly Isola, host of Spiraling Consciousness and her co-authors, have crafted a guidebook that will take you on a profound journey. If you long for love, peace, and joy, or yearn for commitment, passion, calm, or clarity, this book teaches you that you already have all of these within you. Whatever you long to experience outside of you is an aspect of you wanting to be birthed. Who have you come here to be? 101 Possibilities for Contemplation is part daily reader, part spiritual practicum. Drenched in gorgeous imagery, each powerful page invites readers to dance, to leap, to sit still, to stand tall as they ponder the question, Who have I come here to be? Join the journey of self-discovery. Come explore the world within an infinite field of possibilities to discover who have you come here to be. To order your copy of Who Have I Come Here to Be? 101 Possibilities for Contemplation, go to www.whohaveyoucomeheretobe.com. That's www.whohaveyoucomeheretobe.com. What is the secret to happiness? Why do bad things happen to good people? What is our purpose in life? What must I do to bring healing into my life? Join Rev. Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday for a metaphysical romp. Explore fundamental unity principles put into action through real-life scenarios from people like you. Call him with your questions and spiritual challenges, and let Paul take you on a journey of profound personal understanding and transformation. That's Metaphysical Romp with Reverend Paul Hasselbeck every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. All right. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. Again, we're in the midst of a series based upon the book, Discover the Power Within You by Eric Butterworth. And I'm teaching Chapter 7, Your Thought is Your Life. Before I get into that, I want to make sure that that you have the opportunity to call in and ask me a question if you want to. The number is 888-558-6489. Again, 888-558-6489. I also would like to remind you that um, I have a Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Now, please, I'm not going to say please, I'm requesting that, and please is okay, I'm requesting that you go to my page, like it, share it with others so we can continue to get this message out to the world. Also, uh, this show, along with all the shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So please make sure that you click on the Donate button on Unity Online Radio to support this online ministry. All right, back to the book, page 74. I took the whole first segment basically talking about one sentence, but I wanted to make sure that you got it. In the book, It says, man is a thinking being. The very word man comes from an ancient Sanskrit word, which literally means to think. I love this next sentence. Through thinking, man has the possibility of knowing God and expressing the wisdom of divine mind. So it is through the mind. The mind is the connecting link. So 
He goes on to say in the next paragraph, Jesus was the Christopher Columbus of the soul. He crossed the frontier of the mind and discovered a new world within himself. We normally don't think of about Jesus as representing the highest in humanity because we so we're so focused on his divinity that we tend to forget that he expressed through a human body. He had to grow up. He had to he was an infant. Somebody had to take care of him. He was a toddler. Somebody had to take care of him. He was a little boy. Someone had to take care of him. And he evolved. And we have to continually evolve. All right. Now, the book starts to go into some of the teachings on the Sermon of the Sermon on the Mount found in the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, excuse me, chapters five through seven. Now, I want to remind you that I actually taught the whole Sermon on the Mount last year in great detail. So what I'm trying to do is pull some of the relevant information out of these chapters, especially the ones that cover the Sermon on the Mount. Again, I covered these scriptures in great detail. So if you want to get more information on some of these points that are in the book, if he's talking about Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7, realize that you can go back, listen to the archives, download them to your phone or to your computer or tablet, and listen to them at your convenience. All right. First scripture, you are the salt, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. All right. So basically what he's saying here is, is that if you are the salt of something, you're supposed to be able to change, change the 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 experience or context of anything by you engaging in it. Also, salt is a preservative, so it preserves that which it has been connected. To, I mean, put on. You know, back in the day, and I talk about this more in my sermon on the Mount lessons that I did last year. They didn't have refrigerators, so how did they preserve things? They put salt on it. Anyway, moving along. Eric Butterworth says Jesus was a revolutionary at heart. He wanted to set the world on fire to change the old order and to establish the kingdom of righteousness on earth. However, his was a spiritual revolution. He had no desire to overthrow governments. His object was to change thoughts. Now, this is key because people who have changed minds people who have transformed their consciousness will demand things from their government that they would have normally not have demanded you know and new leaders can emerge based upon the new levels of consciousness all right page 75 it states you are radiating centers of truth in the world. Jesus is saying, but be mighty sure that your awareness of truth is dynamic and not static. Your knowledge of truth must first of all lead to self-knowledge. In your study of truth, remember, with all thy getting, get understanding. He goes on to say, if we collect the truth like we collect facts, fill our notebooks with pages of notes, fill our library with books, cover our walls with certificate of courses of study we have taken, then certainly the salt will lose its savor. So in other words, you don't study truth just to collect data. We have to use it. It's not about how many classes you've taken. I mean, how long you've been in metaphysics. It's only about life is consciousness. And as Emmett Fox also said, there's no such thing as undemonstrated understanding. All right. Going back to the book, page 75, the author says, Jesus challenges you, the student, to accept the responsibility of bringing the spiritual leaven of truth to the world. He goes on to say, if you who believe in the divinity of man and the omnipresence of God 
do not act as if you believe it, then what hope is there for the world? You know, Jesus said, you will, people will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. So if we believe in the divinity of all humankind, if we believe in the omnipresence and omnipotence and omniscience of God, if we believe that we're all one and we don't act like it, then what hope is there for others? We have to be the the salt of the earth. The next scripture we'll talk about, we have to be the light. What we know we have to, excuse the term, be. I was going to say live, but we have to be it. We have to be the teaching. Is that a responsibility? Yes, but to whom much is given, much is required. All right. The next scripture is, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light to, unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So what is this saying? Page 77. Jesus is telling us through this striking example that you cannot hide spirituality. That's key. You can't hide it. You can't hide it. And he goes on to say, students of truth are sometimes embarrassed to let their family or friends know about their preoccupation, and thus they hesitate to take a positive stand in a negative situation. Jesus is saying, hold to the truth and let the chips fall where they may. In other words, are you willing to be the light in a situation that is perceived to be negative? Are you the potential for something greater in an experience? Are you you falling in with the status quo? Are you the possibility of hope and transformation and peace and love and joy and harmony or just plain old workability? Or do you allow somebody else's responses dictate how you will respond? In other words, be your truth. He goes on to say, on the other hand, the student is often constrained to bring truth to his family and loved ones, often often through his overzealousness. The very ones he is trying to help or influence become antagonistic to everything pertaining to truth. Now, this is the balance. This is the balance. We can't, that's, we can't force feed it down someone's throat. Be who you need to be and be that space of transformation. But realize that you can't make somebody have your soul growth. You can't make someone see things the way you see it. You can't make anyone agree. A a person convinced against their will is of the same opinion still. So what does Eric Butterworth say? He says, in both cases, the answer is let your light shine. You don't really need to put the truth into words. Emerson refers to the possibility that what you are speaks so loudly that one cannot hear what you say. Moving on. The person who has the compulsion to introduce truth to others may well be the one who is having a difficult time making it work in his own life. In other words, you're quick to tell everybody else how they need to handle their business, but you're not using the truth that comes out of your own mouth to help yourself. He goes on to say he has a large supply of facts about truth, and he has seniority. I've been in this church for 40 years. I've been studying New Thought for 60 years. He may tell you over and over that he has been a student of metaphysics for 30 years. This may be a parallel to the Israelites who were 40 years in the wilderness. They had set out to find their promised land, but though they lived out their lives at the border, few of them could bring themselves to enter in and possess the land. So in other words, if you've been studying this stuff, it's time to put it into practice. 
Reverend Coleman would say, it works if you work it. It works if you work it. It works if you work it. The principle works when you work the principle. Divine law works when you work the divine law. We have to put it to use. Because the best teacher is a good example. The book goes on to say, Jesus is also talking to you who are timid about speaking the word of truth and also who talk too much about truth. You are the light of the world. Isn't that a wonderful thought? The light of the world is the very spirit of truth. Now, next scripture. Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy but to fulfill. For verily I say to you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall not in no wise pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Matthew chapter 5 verses 17 and 18. Mr. Butterworth says the laws of the universe cannot be destroyed simply because they are law. Men thought Jesus destroyed the old law because he fulfilled it so easily. And he did such amazing things. All right. He says sight was restored to the blind, hungry multitudes were miraculously fed, and even the dead were brought back to life. Everywhere he went, he left a trail of puzzling miracles in his wake. But this is key. But miracles are miracles only because we do not understand the process involved. The dictionary defines the the word miracle as an effect in the physical world which surpasses all known human and natural powers and therefore ascribed to supernatural agency. All right. Now, so going down to page 79, he says that we measure man's possibility by his past experience rather than his innate potentiality. God can work a miracle for you if you do not make it too hard for him. This is what Jesus was saying over and over. You have, he, he didn't destroy the law. He's fulfilling it. In other words, that what these prophets of old wrote about the possibility of God, when somebody actually shows up and demonstrates it, we're looking kind of funny. Wait a minute here. We've been reading this stuff. We've been working with it for years. How come we didn't? Demonstrate it because we weren't working on fulfilling it. And Enter the Dragon, Bruce Lee is teaching a little boy how to kick. And the little boy, he said, how, how, does it, how does it feel? And the little boy said, I think. And Bruce hit him in the head and said, don't think, feel. Then he told the little boy, it's like a finger pointing at the moon. If you concentrate on the finger, you miss all the heavenly glory. And what does that mean? We get so caught up on the teachers, the scriptures, the traditions, the rituals, that we forget that their fingers pointing back to the truth about God in us. The miracle is in you, not in the holy book, and not in the supposed holy people. Because all people are holy, because holy just means whole, wholeness. Just there are some who walk in their wholeness, who are aware of their wholeness, and those who aren't. And those who have accepted the responsibility of waking up their fellow brothers and sisters have been set aside. But realize it's just accepting the call to help wake up humanity to new light. But my point is this. Don't concentrate on the finger or you miss all the heavenly glory. Every book you read, whatever the Holy Scripture is that you read, the Bible, the Holy Quran, etc., etc., don't get caught up in the, well, I ain't going to say what you should do. Consider the possibility but the book is talking about how God works in you and nothing else. It's not about 
is not only about some person in the past. It's about what God can do in you, through you, as you now. That's fulfilling the law. That's how you fulfill the law of your own being. Now, I want to remind you yet again that if you did want to call, you could. You only have one more break to do so. You can call in to 888-558-6489. Also would like to remind you that uh, you also can go to our umbrella organization, uh, www.ufbl.org, to see if there's a center in your local area that you can go to study under uh, a universal foundation for better living minister or teacher so you can get some of this good stuff in person. And we're going to take our last break and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. wellness expert, Dr. Michelle Robin on healthy living. In the game of wellness, there's some basic habits that you need to embrace in order to live a well life. In her book, Wellness on a Shoestring, Robin shows you that complete wellness of body, mind, and spirit doesn't have to cost a fortune. Client Eddie Penrice turned his health around with Dr. Robin's seven habits for a healthy life. I've got to say my body just embraced the change. Besides feeling better, looking better, thinking more clearly. Many of Robin's seven habits for a healthy life are simple and free. She offers tips and shares real stories from clients like Eddie, who've incorporated the habits into their lives and seen the results. You can make this change by being convicted that you will do it. That you don't need anyone else's assistance or help to do it. Make this the year you get healthy. Discover a low-cost, attainable path to feeling better than ever. Order wellness on a shoestring today at www.shopunity.org. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. been listening to Truth Transforms with Rev. Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. And we are again continuing the series on Discover the Power Within You by Eric Butterworth. So make sure, as I stated earlier in the show, you get the book, Discover the Power Within You. I'm on page 79. Uh, the scripture from Matthew chapter 5, verse 19. Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least of these commandments and teach men, so he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do it, shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, this is one of these things where, you know, these sayings of Jesus that people get confused. So I'm just going to just break it down by explaining that that's all he's saying. Learning how to live it and teach others, but live it first means you have to break something down. In other words, you have to not, you know, destroy it, break it down, but it means to penetrate get deeper into it you know because you know when we look at a saying we'll look at something surfacely but we haven't really broken it down to really understand it so we can live it all right 
So that's all I'm going to say about that. You can read the rest of the, the, the his commentary on it. Page 81. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall know in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. All right. What is this saying? The righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees were the religious people who lived it by the letter of the religious law. The kingdom of heaven is not where you go when you make your transition. He was talking about the awareness of your oneness with God. He's talking about the pure potentiality. He's talking about the within you the realm of infinite possibilities. He's talking about within you creating a context of spirituality instead of thinking that you are just a five-sense being living only in a three-dimensional world. If you only follow the letter of your spiritual or religious beliefs, you will not enter into this higher awareness. You will not enter into the Christ mind. Okay, so he says in the book, Jesus is saying that your righteousness must achieve a new dimension or there will be no real growth of the flower of your own Christ self. So, you know, people who outwardly practice their religion, well, I'm not, and I don't believe Jesus was denouncing them. He's he's basically saying, unless you exceed it. In other words, you have to go beyond, I pray at this time, I kneel the right way, I take the bread and the, and the grape juice, I, uh, you know, do the outer observances of it. You got to go beyond that. That's why you have to do your prayer work, your meditation. You got to study information that will make you stretch. We get too comfortable. And by being too comfortable, we tend to get pushed into growth instead of evolving into growth. All right, moving on. Uh, Page 81. The scripture from Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 and 22. Ye have heard that it was said to them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be in danger of the judgment, and whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in the danger of hellfire. All right. Now, what are we to make of this? On page 82, Butterworth says, Jesus is saying the murder or stealing or even adultery are acts of thought. As far as the mental law is concerned, we break the law or we break ourselves upon it every time we think in a negative or destructive way. Your thought is your life. Your thought is your life. One may keep all the commandments in the in his Bible and still experience the judgment of hellfire in his experience. What does this mean? Next paragraph. When Jesus refers to the judgment of hellfire, he's referring to states of consciousness. The judgment is in our cells. Hear me. The judgment is in our cells. Every act fulfills itself. Every day is a day of judgment. People are waiting for Jesus to come back. When Jesus comes back, this is going to be this. Every day is judgment day. There's no comeback. It already is. Law is. And since law is, every day is judgment day. The judgment day doesn't have to be a bad day. Judgment day just means when you reap what you thought, what you reap. When you reap what you have been feeling, what you when you reap what you've been saying, what you reap what you've been doing, when you reap your perception of life, that could be great. That could, you know, that could be a good day, depending on your thinking. Mister Butterworth goes on to say, "Man is not punished for his sins, but by them, and the punishment is the hellfire of inner conflict." that leads to physical stress and pain and disease and to the human problems of lack and failure. And literally in Jesus's language of Aramaic, hellfire means mental anguish 
or torment, mental anguish or torment. And if you want to look more of that up, you can look it up in uh, some of Dr. Rocco Errico's work, like Let There Be Light, The Seven Keys, or Aramaic Light on the Gospel of Matthew. Anyway, plug for my good friend, Eric, I mean, uh, Rocco Errico, my good friend, friend. He's a good friend of the ministry. Let me rephrase that. Now, moving on. Next scripture. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Yet again, a reason why I don't normally use the King James Version of the Bible. Understanding the Bible is hard enough. What Trying to understand what people meant in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, and then having to read it in Elizabethan English. Anyway, moving right along. That's just my me on my um, soapbox. Prayer is of the spirit, not in form. If we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not forgive our debtors. Who are we fooling? Jesus challenges us here to break through the shell of formal prayer and fulfill the law of spiritual consciousness. So in other words, as scripture says in the, in the uh, epistle of the first epistle of John, how can I say I, I uh, how can I not love my brother and sister who I see and say I love God who I have not seen? So I love God. You show your love of God through your love of yourself and through your fellow people. And I would say creation. Well, let's just start with people. Let's just start with people. I'm praying and acknowledging the greatness of God. You know, I you know, I used to often say people get on their knees to pray and then they get off their knee get on their knees to pray to get to heaven. And then they get off, get up, or stand up and raise hell. Anyway, moving on. Last point. Uh, agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him. Lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt by no means come out thence there till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. So what is this saying? Agree quickly. All right. Mr. Butterer says, agree quickly, get your mind in a state of love and understanding and non-resistance. The only way we can do this is to dispose of the adverse thought and agree with God. Agree with truth. All right. He says, when you find yourself getting resistant or hostile or envious or angry, when the seeds of conflict begin to reveal themselves in you, settle with them immediately by agreeing with God. Affirm your unity with infinite mind and the inexhaustible resources of love and peace. If someone is criticizing you, agree quickly, which means get yourself in neutral. Deal quickly with the tendency to flare up and resent the critic so that you can deal impersonally with the criticism. Last point. He says, the danger is when we let these fears and worry thoughts simmer in our minds. We need to be stern with ourselves. We must take action immediately. Stand up and speak the word of peace to the storms of human thought. Well, really the last point, I want to read this. He's talking about Jesus calming the storm. He says, this dramatic story reveals the power of the law of agreement. Jesus was the master of the situation because he was the master of his own thoughts. He agreed with God always. He kept himself in tune in a state of spiritual unity with God. This was accomplished by the discipline of frequent periods of meditation. Yet again, that's how we started the chapter. Thus, in a crisis, he was prepared because he was pre-prayed. So you prepare for life by being pre-prayed. In other words, you're praying ahead. 
So when the situations happen, you're in tune properly to handle it. All right. On page 87, agree with thine adversary quickly. Remember that the adversary is not the personal situation that stands before you, but your reaction to or feeling about it. Next week, we're going to cover the chapter on the law of non-resistance. So read it ahead of time. Let's be ready so we can flow right into it. If you have questions, obviously, you can also email me or reach out to me through my Facebook page. Uh, so thank you for taking this journey with me today. I hope you got something out of it. God bless you. And I'll be back with you next week with Truth Transforms. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. You've seen reality TV. Well, now get ready for reality radio. It's raw, unpredictable, and completely unscripted. Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels follows the lives of four people each season as they face their fears and overcome challenges. Listen in weekly and follow along as they take each faithful step on their journey. Learn what it takes to really heal your life. Dr. Chris Michaels shows you how to expect specific and measurable results from prayer. He says, we must place a demand upon consciousness. We don't hope to get what we pray for. We expect it. As a 25-year veteran in the New Thought Movement, Dr. Chris has helped thousands of people find their way to success and healing. His faith is unshakable, and his commitment to helping others heal through the power of prayer is extraordinary. Don't miss Reality Radio, Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels. Live Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio. In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. At the base of all life is the infinite wellspring of Source, and each of us has a unique way of expressing that Source as an individualized soul. Do you enjoy the company of inspiring people who are living on purpose? Do you want to live joyfully attuned to your own unique soul expression? Host Reverend Kristen Powell welcomes you to join the gathering of souls who live this way. You'll meet artists, naturalists, and other soulful expressions that will inspire you to call forth the most alive, passionate version of yourself. Get into the natural stream of your own soul by tuning into Soul Stream live every Wednesday at noon Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Take a moment now to reflect on these words from Rev. Joan Gattuso. According to an ancient Hindu teaching, if you can only speak the truth and tell no lies, either minuscule or outrageous, for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. A noble being will always tell the truth. Do you? Begin now with the first step of simply noticing if you do tell the truth immediately or if your first instinct is to alter the facts a bit. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. 
and after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.